Timmy chased the cat. When Aunt Fanny spoke to the five, they all looked up from their books, except Timmy, who looked up from the bone he was gnawing. What are you going to do today? We ought to go for a walk, I suppose. But the wind is so bitter today. I always think January is a pretty dreary month unless there's snow. Well, we can go skating. But there's no snow and no ice. Only this horrible freezing wind. I'd just as soon stay in and read my Christmas books. Oh, no. We must go out. What about Timmy? He's got to have his usual walk. Timmy's ears pricked up at once when he heard that word. Walk? Ha! Just what he was wanting. He got up and ran to George, whining. All right, all right, Tim. We'll leave Anne here with her books and we'll go for a nice long walk. Would you like to go to the cinema in Beckton? There's a good film on today about circus life. I'll pay for you all if you'd like to go this afternoon. Mother, I do believe you're trying to get rid of us. Well, in a way I am. Your father has two friends coming in to see him this afternoon, and I really think it would be easier if you were out of the house. Oh, I see. Two more of his scientist friends, I suppose. Well, I'd just as soon be out in that case. It's awful not even to be able to sneeze in case I get into trouble for making a noise. Don't exaggerate so, George. Well, Julian, would you like to go to the cinema? Oh, yes. And it's jolly decent of you to pay for us. I tell you what, we'll walk to Beckton so that we'll give our legs a stretch and get the train back. Yes, that's a good idea. I feel as if I want a good run. Just listen to Tim thumping his tail on the ground. He thoroughly agrees. So that afternoon, the five set off to walk to Beckton. The wind was in their faces and it was very cold indeed, but they were soon warm with walking and even Anne began to enjoy striding out against the wind. Timmy loved it, of course. He was full of high spirits, and pranced and capered and bounded along joyfully. He wagged his long tail, nineteen to the dozen, chased dead leaves as if they were rats, and made everyone laugh at him. Dear old Tim, it must be lovely to be a dog and have four legs to leap about on instead of just two. Halfway to Beckton, they came to a big, rather lonely-looking house called Tarley's Mount. The gates opened onto a short drive that ran to the front steps of the house. On top of one of the stone gateposts sat a big black cat. It looked disdainfully down at Timmy. At first, Timmy didn't see it, and then he suddenly caught sight of it and stopped. A cat! And a big one, too! But alas quite out of reach. Timmy pranced in front of the gatepost and barked loudly. The cat yawned widely and then began to wash one of her paws, as if to say, a dog, nasty, smelly creature, not worth taking notice of. But Timmy could leap very high and the cat was suddenly startled to see his head appearing near the top of the gatepost as he jumped. She hissed and spat. Stop it, Timmy. You know you're not allowed to chase cats. 
Come here. The cat spat again. That was too much for Timmy, and he jumped so high that the cat was really alarmed. She leapt right off the gatepost and shot into the bushes at the side of the drive. Timmy was after her in a trice, yelping madly. George yelled, but he took no notice at all. Blow him! He'll be ages chasing that cat and hunting for it. He ought to know by now that he isn't a match for any cat living. I'll go in and see if I can get him. I hope I don't meet an angry gardener. We'll come with you. Come on, I can hear Tim down the drive. He must be near the house. They went in at the gate and down the little drive. Yes, Timmy was by the front door, barking under a tree there. I bet that cat's still sitting on a branch, making faces at him. Call him, George. Timmy, Timmy, come here at once. But he wouldn't. Then, just as they got up to him and George was bending down to take hold of his collar. The cat leapt down the tree and raced round the house to the back. Timmy was after her at once, yelping madly. Oh, blow! We'll have the people in the house out after us. They must wonder what's going on. They ran round the house after Timmy and came to the back entrance. There was a little yard there with a clothesline and two or three dustbins and a coke bunker. The cat was now sitting on top of the bunker. Daring Timmy to leap up and get her. As the four children turned into the yard, they saw a neat little woman standing there, in a thick coat with a scarf round her head. She held a small basket in her hand with a little bottle of milk in it and a jar. Now then, you dog, you leave that cat alone. I say, I'm so sorry about our dog. It's all right. I've got him by the collar now. I'm ashamed of you, Timmy. Bad dog, very bad dog. Timmy's tail drooped, and he gave George's hand a very small lick. The little woman watched him, frowning. He gave me a real fright, that dog of yours, tearing into the yard like a mad thing. First Sooty the cat, and then the dog. I hope his barking didn't disturb the people in the house. Eh? What's that you say? You have to speak up. I'm a bit deaf. I said. I hope his barking didn't disturb the people in the house. Oh, they're away. Miss Ella went on Monday, and our old aunt went yesterday. I just came to feed the old cat. Here, Sooty, come and lap your milk, and I'll put your fish down too. Hold that dog, Miss, please. She emptied some cooked fish out of the jar and poured some milk into an enamel saucer by the back doorstep. The cat sat on the coke bunker. And looked down longingly, but wouldn't come near it. We'll take the dog and go. What'd you say? Oh yes, you go. Then old Sooty will come along down. She must be hungry. The four children went round the house again. George holding Timmy's collar. Funny, I can hear somebody talking. Can you, Dick? Yes, but there's nobody about. It sounds rather like a loud conversation. Is it coming from the house? No, it can't be. You heard what the woman said. The people are away. It must be somebody talking very loudly in the road. But the talking couldn't be heard when they reached the gates. Oh well, 
It was probably gardeners somewhere in the trees off the drive. Come on, we should be late for the film if we don't hurry up. They were just in time for it and settled down to watch the circus story on the screen. It was very good and they all enjoyed it thoroughly. They collected Timmy from the kindly commissionaire and he barked in welcome. They felt very hungry and the little tea shop opposite looked most inviting with its fine display of cakes in the window. Come on, I'll stand tea for everyone, provided old George doesn't eat more than six cakes. I'll buy one for you too, Timmy. They had a wonderful tea and finished up with an ice cream each. Timmy was treated to a cake and a biscuit and licked George's ice cream saucer clean. Well, I don't know if we can manage to walk to the station now. I feel pretty full. What's the matter, George? I was just feeling Timmy's collar and he's lost his tail wagger badge. It's got his name and address on it. Blow! I only bought him a new one last week. If we want to catch the train back, we'd better get a move on. No, I'm going to walk home. I've got a torch. I may find Timmy's badge. Oh, for pity's sake. Don't say we've got to walk back hunting for the badge all the way home. No, George, that's too much. I can go alone with Timmy. I didn't mean you others to come. Well, we can't let you walk a mile or two home in the dark by yourself, old thing. I tell you what, I'll go with you, George, and Dick can take Anne back by train. No, thanks. I'll come too. I believe I know where Tim dropped his badge. In the drive of the big house. Do you remember when the cat sat up in a tree and Timmy leapt up to her? Well, he caught his collar on a bough, and I bet that's when he lost his tail wagger badge. Yes, I expect you're right. Timmy's being a bit of a nuisance today, aren't you, Tim? I hope to goodness that cat won't be anywhere about the garden. Here, I've got a piece of string. Tie it to Tim's collar and hang on to him, George. Well, are we ready? They all set off in the starry night. They hardly needed their torches once they had got used to the dark because the stars were so very bright. They came at last to Tarly's Mount and stopped at the gates. Here we are. We know where Timmy went this morning, and if we hunt about, we're pretty certain to find the badge. Now you keep by me, Tim. They all went down the drive, and in the middle of it, they stopped in surprise. I can hear those voices again. Well, different ones this time, but voices. Who can be out here, talking and talking in the night? Beats me. Come on. Let's go to that tree by the front door. I bet the badge will be there. They went to the big door, still hearing the voices somewhere away in the distance. Anne suddenly gave a cry and bent down. Yes, here's the badge. Just where I thought it might be. Isn't that lucky? Oh, good. Thanks, Anne. I'll just fix it on his collar. There's somebody singing now. Gosh, it's odd. Perhaps it's a radio somewhere. It sounds rather like one. But there's no other houses near here. Not enough for us to hear the radio, anyhow. There. That's the radio, all right. There can't be any bands playing in the open air this cold night. You're right. Do you suppose that the sounds can be coming from this house, Tarly's Mount? But we know there's no one there. 
That woman who fed the cat told us the house was empty. That's why she had to come and feed the cat. And if someone had left the radio on in the house, she'd have heard it and switched it off. No, she wouldn't. Why not? Well, because she was deaf. She kept putting her hand behind her ear. Don't you remember? I think the radio is on in the house. You don't suppose somebody's got in and is having a good old time there, eating what's left in the larder, sleeping in the beds and listening to the radio, do you? Tramps, perhaps. It's a bit puzzling, I must say. I can't imagine anyone going away and leaving the radio full on. And it must be if we can hear it out here. Perhaps we ought to look around a bit. The noise seems to be coming from over there, the other side of the house, not where the yard is. Let's go round there. Hang on to Tim. There's that cat. You see it in my torchlight? Look at it go. Come on now. Let's go round to the other side of the house. As soon as they turned the corner, they came to a terrace, with steps leading down to a garden, only faintly to be seen in the starlight. The band music was suddenly louder there. There was now no doubt at all that it was radio music. Well... It's certainly coming from the house, but from which room? As far as I can see, the whole place is in darkness. So it was. Not a chink of light showed anywhere. Julian shone his torch onto each window. They were all tightly shut, as if the house were indeed empty and deserted. There's a tree that reaches up to that balcony. I'll shin up and get onto it and see if I can spot anything in the house. If the curtains aren't drawn there, I can shine my torch in. Up the tree he went, the others shining their torches to show him which branches to climb. At last he was on the balcony, his own torch now shining brightly. There were glass doors there, and the curtains of the room were not drawn across the panes. Dick shone his torch through the glass. The radio's in this room, I'm sure. I can hear it plainly. It's full on, too. The noise is coming through a ventilator, above the glass doors. Oh, I say. What is it? What can you see? What can you see? There's someone in this room. Someone lying on the floor. But I can't see clearly enough. Whoever it is, isn't moving at all. I'll tap and see if they can hear me. Yes, the person moved when I tapped. Who on earth can it be? He must be hurt, I think. But the doors are locked, so I can't get in. I'm coming down again, so shine your torches, will you? Dick climbed quickly down the tree, and the others crowded round him excitedly. We'll have to get into the house somehow. I'm sure it's someone who's hurt, or maybe ill. But how did they get in? And how can we get in, for that matter? We'll try all the doors, to begin with. Here's a garden door. No, that's locked. Come on round to the kitchen door. I suppose that will be locked too. But it wasn't. It opened easily enough, and the five trooped into the house, Timmy quite excited. The noise of the radio suddenly seemed louder as they went in. Come on upstairs. We'll find that balcony room. It was all in darkness, which made it seem stranger than ever. 
they ran up the wide stairs. The sound of the radio was very loud there. They listened intently. It's in that room over there. Dick ran to the half-open door. He shone his torch round, and then let the beam rest on something lying on the floor. What could it be? Julian reached out his hand to the radio. Click. On the floor near the radio lay a woman. She looked old and had silvery grey hair. She was dressed in outdoor things, and her hat lay on the floor. The children looked at her in horror. What could have happened? At last, to their relief, they saw her eyes open, and she looked up at them. Then she tried to speak. Water. George darted out and found a bathroom with glasses. She filled one with water and brought it back. Julian eased the old woman up into a sitting position, and George helped her to drink the water. She managed to give them a faint smile. Oh, so silly of me! I was just going downstairs to leave the house by the back door when I slipped here on the polished floor, and you fell and hurt yourself. Where? Oh, I'm afraid it's my hip. I couldn't get up off the floor. I just couldn't, so I wasn't even able to telephone for help, and there was no one in the house. My niece had gone, and your daily woman is deaf, so she wouldn't hear your call. Yes, yes, I just managed to get my arm up to the radio and switched it on. You see, I thought someone might hear it, perhaps a policeman coming round the house at night. How long have you been lying here like this? Oh, since yesterday afternoon, I just couldn't move. You see, I was glad I had my outdoor things on. I'd have frozen last night. It was so cold. I was so thirsty too. Not hungry, just very, very thirsty. Oh, you dear, kind children. Oh, I am so glad. See you. Where's the telephone? I'll phone for a doctor and an ambulance, and you'll soon be well cared for. Don't you worry. The five stayed with her until the doctor came, and later on the ambulance. Then Julian turned out all the lights, and they went into the hall, and out into the night. Julian slammed the front door behind them. Come on, Timmy. Keep by my side. No more cat chasing for you. What's he saying, George? <laughs> he says, "Don't talk to me like that, George. If it hadn't been for me chasing that cat today, you'd never have had this little adventure." Well, I must say Timmy's right as usual. And if chasing a cat leads to saving somebody's life, I'm all for it. Good old Tim. Good old Tim. <laughs>